0: Welcome to Kineo Stream of Thought, a monthly podcast that features informal chat from the team at Kineo about all things learning. So I'm Paul Westlake, Solutions Consultant at Kineo, and today we're speaking about mobile and what's happened to mobile.
1: Really pleased to welcome our panel this month. Pete Smith, Learning
2: Content Technical Team Lead here at Kineo. James Corey Wright, Head of Learning Design at Kineo.
3: And I'm Clive Shepherd, and I'm a consultant in learning and development.
0: Well, welcome, Clive. Thanks for being our uh, our first and hopefully not last specialised guest on the the Stream of Thought podcast. So um, this one's a bit of a, I guess, a revisit of a a topic that we may have mentioned a few months ago and we've had an awful lot of feedback about. So thanks for uh, the comments and uh, thanks for your thoughts. And that was all around... James, you made a comment a while back around mobile and how no one's using mobile. And I think that may have been a little misconstrued. So do you want to take us through what you actually meant
2: and, and where we go with that? I'm not sure it was misconstrued. Um, it, but it, you could sort of subtitle this as, yeah, whatever happened to mobile? Um, every, I think, um, by and large, there's perhaps an assumption that mobile learning is rumbling along um, in the corporate world. And, but I'm suggesting that it isn't. And uh, the statistics would appear to back me up, which I, I will now share some with you. I think I mean first of all statistically, I think it, um, we it is well known that uh, the smartphone has, for several years now, been um, the most popular way of going, getting online. Yep. Um, uh, can you some of the stats suggest that some of our most successful mobile-led um, courses or content is Got usage rates running at 60 to 70 percent. So it's obviously very popular in those instances with particular audiences with mobile-led content. By the same token, um, the stats for overall um, usage of um, content on mobiles, and on, on smartphones, is between 10 and 20 percent, which is very, very low. So there's something wrong, if you ask me. There's something mysterious at the heart of all this. Now, on the one hand, the stats suggest that when, when content is consumed on mobile phones, it's very popular, it's very successful. Um, and yet, on the other hand, um, most uh, content would appear to be being consumed on the desktop. I think, actually, the stats for that are around 70%. And
0: when you say, sorry, just, just to clarify... I don't know if I've you, confused you, myself, actually. No, 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 <laughs> absolutely. So to just, just to, to confirm, so, so you said a couple of times you were sort of interchanging that mobile and smartphones and tablets and everything else. So when we say mobile, do we mean phones? Or are we talking about... And I know we're blurring the edges there, depending on it could be a small tablet and a, a large phone. So what does that actually well, mean? Well,
2: the statistics that I was referring to were specifically smartphone um, um, because the figures for a uh, tablet was actually even oh, I bet even low. lower. Yeah. And so suggesting that a tablet is not really um, very popular. Or. I mean, nor- normally,
1: though, when we do say mobile device, we normally talk about a device which uses a mobile operating system. Right. So that would be something using Android or something using iOS.
2: But I think, I think what I'm probably getting at is that the, the opportunity that I think is going missing here is, in fact, a smartphone what I'm suggesting, is that what a shame it is that more content isn't being uh, consumed by people in the workplace mm. on their smartphones. Watch the blocker for that.
3: Well, there there are there are lots of blockers from the supply side. I think from the um, from the employer side. I don't think it is, there's any blockers from the demand side from the learner. We are we are you know we've been using the term learning to say you know there's not as much evidence as we would expect to see of people learning on mobile devices. I think what we should more rightfully say there's not much evidence of training being delivered, if we could still use that term, mm-hmm. um, being delivered through through mobile devices. There's, I think, there's ample evidence in practically everybody's life, but almost all age groups of people learning from mobile devices, and changing their lives. Probably, you know, in in the sense that if you sit on the sofa at home with your phone or your tablet and every time there's something that crops up which fascinates you and you look it up and people uh, uh, I don't know it's I'm sure it's true of practically everybody now well, that's the way my kids are learning to be honest i mean exactly. you know, one of them will grab their nearest
0: ipad or their phone and they'll, they'll look it up or mm. in fact it's probably gone beyond that and they'll just ask alexa to be honest
3: if it well that's true yes yes so, so in a way people are experiencing incredible incredibly flexible adaptive responsive learning um you know under their own direction from their mobile devices and um, outside work. And uh, I, I would say that, you know, there is some evidence that people go a little further than that and, and do more formal study. I'm sure that if you were, say, studying for um, a postgraduate course or something like that, and you had coursework to do, you would use your time on trains or on airports and things like that um, to, uh, you know, to, to study mm-hmm. formally. You may not have material from your employer, which falls in that category. more yes, research type,
0: background reading, that that sort of stuff.
3: And, and it, there's quite a resurgence in the use of podcasts, because, which is obviously what we're doing here today. Um, so quite a lot of people will listen to a podcast while they're at the gym or, or they're in the car or something like that. And so something like this, you know, 20 minutes, half an hour of material, is this is, this is a learning event. And we shouldn't forget that, uh, you know, that there's definitely um, an acceptance of these devices as um, having huge learning potential. So that,
0: that sounds, what you're, what you're describing there to me sounds like that age-old problem of asking your employees if they've had any training and they will say no. And what they mean is they haven't sat in a classroom for a week. Mm. Whereas, you know, we had a meeting yesterday and I taught you this or I coached you on something or you've read something. So that I, I think potentially that's, that's the sort of thing you're getting out of there, isn't it, that... James. But
2: picking up on what Clive said, there's this huge sort of... Um, it's what people do all the time. It's what people are used to. There's an enormous appetite for it. People are totally familiar, and uh, that's their expectation. Why isn't that reflected in the workplace? With workplace learning, workplace training?
0: Well, well what, is, what is that blocker? Is it that... You know, to, for me to, if I had to go onto YouTube to find out how to, and I know I use this example pretty pretty much every time we do do a podcast, and that's this idea of I had to change the filters again in the Dyson, and you know I've no idea how to do that. I've never had to learn. I've never done any formal training on that, but I know where that video is, mm. and I can watch that every six months, and I know how to do that. If I had to log in to be able to do that, and then track it, and then do a quiz yeah. at the end, I I wouldn't bother. The fact that I can just go on and use one app. On my phone that goes directly to that and I can watch that it is the reason why I go
3: to that There's two quite important differences there, I think one you've described is that they, there's a often pla- a platform between you and the content which may or may not be a fiddle to get into, yep. I mean if it was set up properly there's no reason why it should be any harder to go into some learning platform than it would to go into YouTube to yep. be honest no reason but a lot of it's down on what we do I think um, you know we can leave aside the, the the problems from the employer point of view but as designers of content I think we can learn a lot of lessons by what sort of content is it that people in you know find useful. So you find the YouTube video useful, <laughs> presumably if it's three or four minutes and no longer, but you, you don't want the quiz. And that which is fair enough because you're not actually trying to learn that thing, you're just trying to find that information. So that's a slightly and different. of course
1: the, the quiz is actually the moment when you start taking your dice into pieces and <laughs> yes,
0: start that's right. around with the best.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
3: Absolutely. Yeah. Now, I
1: have got someone
0: who's
3: measuring it in the background, trust me. <laughs> yeah. I mean, if I don't get it right I, I know quite quickly <laughs> <laughs> there's a lot of difference in, in the way in, in, in from our point of view and how we design things because I think if you go back I mean the, the, you always find it quite interesting people thinking about say e, the e-learning as something relatively new of course it's not remotely new and, mm-hmm. it, and uh, you know there are plenty of people listening to this for whom e-learning has been present before they were born uh, you know it's not it's not it's it's, it's, it's not that um that novel um, but it, it has a history, and it has a history of of the days when uh, things were consumed on discs, and in very large quantities. You know, and so people would be sit down for uh, you know for an hour or several hours in order to study in a very, uh, very formal way, which of course is because it's not how they're using their mobile devices. It, so, so do you, do you think? And maybe James. I mean, is this come back to yourself, so. In
0: terms of design, we can design for we can design content for mobile, but do we need to go further than that? Do we need to think about the sorts of things that, or how people are going to access that and bear that in mind, or do we just need to change our mentality when we're actually designing? something? Um, to make yeah,
2: people... I suspect we do. I mean, I suspect you have to break free from the, the platform. It's really interesting that Clive said platforms uh, get in, in the way. They're supposed to launch things, but they actually um, obstruct things. Um, yeah, no, I think. But it, Sorry,
0: so, so to pick up uh, on that, why why is that? Oh. Is that because those platforms were put in place,
2: uh, and it could be a legacy <clears throat> LMS, for example. It just takes time, doesn't it, to log on and all that kind of stuff. They become a barrier in that sense. Uh, yeah. But there, but therein lies, you know, maybe that's one of the problems. There, they're also about control and uh, you know corporate control and about sort of the idea that learning has to be controlled it has to be served up mm-hmm. hence the LMS and then monitored as to whether you've done it or not and notions of completion and all this kind of stuff still pertain i think that when it comes to um, compliance uh, training i got to admit i think it's quite still quite problematic to expect that to be done on smartphones for example because there are often issues technical issues around that but when it comes to all the rest of the stuff um, there's no need to really sort of uh, track it as far as I can see. So if you let go, first of all, and just accept that perhaps if the sort of whole mentality changes from being um, provider to it being an enabler, um, I'm talking about L&D people, uh, essentially, then uh, and they let go, and then that can free up the design, if you like, of, how the, of the content, because you can do anything. You and can, and even, even if it does need to be tracked...
0: Maybe we should be looking at how we can... That's not something that the learner needs to get involved with. That's something that can happen in the background and we can hide from those people. people.
1: Exactly. I was going to challenge the notion that tracking gets in the way because (laughs) every single time you look at something on YouTube, that's being tracked. Um, It's not quite the same style of tracking that you have on the learning management system, but you know that Google is recording a whole lot of data about everything that you're doing
0: on YouTube. Yeah, Mm -hmm. it's worse. In
2: exactly. some ways, yeah, you're being more tracked.
0: No, but um, that's a good point because then you can go in and look at those analytics if you wanted to, mm. much in the same way as the, you know, the the I don't know, the H R D or whoever it may be can go in and, and look at those completion records or you know and, and see who's been doing what on the LMS. But the learner, well, my point is the learner doesn't have to see that. No. They they yeah.
1: don't. And actually, I'm going to stick up for the learning management system companies. I, I very rarely do this, <laughs> but um, mm. they they are addressing this because it is yeah. a challenge. It yeah. can be a barrier getting onto an old system on a mobile device and so a lot of them are actually producing apps which allow you to download your content for offline use hmm. and those actually use traditional learning technologies they use SCORM in the background to actually track um, and that should still be quite a seamless experience for the user and even someone who's got a legacy LMS system though from what my clients are asking for now
0: is we've got this system we don't want to throw it all away we spent an awful lot of money on it so we look at okay well let's build a front-end portal and Unless you use a learning record store, and maybe, you know,
2: again, take away that, that, mm. that sort of pain, I if you like. There's mm. still that element of formality about it, though, not it? Mm. <laughs> uh, I think that you talked about, you, you asked me about design and that sort of thing, and changing the way we design content. Yeah, I do think we need, need to sort of go uh, and are starting to go to a, a curation sort of led approach mm. on the grounds that most mm. of, uh, of the content, basically, that we need in the world already exists in one form or another. Mm. Um, and yeah. Does you know? Does the does things like LMS get in the way of the curation? I don't approach? think other people doing, Clive. I mean,
3: well, 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 I I think most people are actually doing the same thing. They are essentially keeping a very clear mental separation between what the LMSs does and, and 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 the way people might learn more informally and they know that they want to be doing more informal learning they know they want to be learning from the way people are learning outside work but they find it quite hard to conceive it and I think obviously it's up to us to help them to do that it is quite a, it is quite a, quite a tricky change um, as James says there are concepts which people are buying into like curation which is a very valuable concept, particularly, you know, if you're a novice and you don't want to just throw yourself at the mercy of a search engine, um, then uh, there's no reason why curation shouldn't actually be uh, quite a help here because, in other words, somebody says, you know, if you're new in this job, um, maybe you're an electrician who's now got to install charging points for, for, for cars or whatever, If you, you know, if you're new to this, these are the three videos I would watch, these are the three websites yes. I would go to. Uh, and it can take you to a learning management system um, if, uh, and hopefully there's no login issues. Um, but, you know, the, the, that is one way of breaking the, uh, of crossing the boundary. The th- one thing that does worry me about platforms of, of any sort, or even apps, is that people who are not, who haven't got access to some sort of curated surf- service which meets their needs nearly always start with a search. Yep. In in you know, Google or Bing or something, and typically you can't search within your learning management uh, system. If you could, uh, or even if even if we were inside the firewall and we were looking at an intranet search engine, can the intranet search engine look inside the LMS? I think that's a big gap because I think that's really how most people find content I, I, um, they're much more likely to go to Google and find there's a video mm-hmm. than they are to go directly to a, uh, a video platform, yeah, but they do do both obviously
0: yeah i mean but
3: the guys are um, filtered with their
0: magpie are trying to do mm-hmm. that sort of thing aren't they so where they're trying to you know let people almost search across a range of different um, sort of Okay, so a range of different content in different places.
1: Is that pretty much what that what those guys are doing? Exactly. There, there's a whole next generation of platforms which are, are coming in, which are very much like the uh, the Magpie system, where they're using either very, very good um, search engine algorithms to actually get you to the content, or you have the ones um, which are using AI, so which hook into something like IBM Watson at the back yeah. end. Mm-hmm. And they're really focused on giving you... Um, focused nuggets of learning rather than the more traditional one-hour-long digital learning assets, which we, we know and love. And is yeah. that the sort of thing, when I
0: said earlier about is a specific content that is more suited to mobile... Um, and I, I used this example earlier when you know I, I, when I'm travelling down on the train, you've got someone with a Kindle and you think, okay, they're reading a book and they'll be on that book for two or two hours or whatever. But someone on their phone, mm. you can see them just skimming through things, in well, nuggets, is. watching a yeah, two-second video, reading a two-second article, liking fifteen things on Instagram to keep their their, their uh, what's it called? They have to keep checking in every day, don't they? And keep the stream going.
3: I don't think things have to be incredibly short they have to be um, you you know clearly they have to bear in mind the context in which they're going to be used which is that somebody's maybe got a 15 minute journey or a a, a half hour journey or something like that so something that lasts an hour and is not modular within within that hour is going to uh, not probably be something you pick up, but we we also have to think about the not just time but the screen size mm-hmm. and what's comfortable for people. Um, so there's absolutely no doubt that video is everybody's favourite medium for you know <laughs> for learning on a mobile device for obvious reasons. it, it you know the aspect ratio of the screen is designed to be exactly you know 16 to 9 widescreen video Uh, it looks great on there and even then if you're designing videos um you know for use on mobiles you wouldn't have huge amount of detail if you're going to do slide based material it's going to have to have be really big and bold and things like that and uh, I, so podcasts again absolutely perfect for uh, for mobile devices so yeah what you don't want is incredibly complex interfaces someone's not going to engage in a really really sophisticated engineering simulation or something on a mobile device and that's fine because that's that's not the norm anyway, but that, that's something you do on your uh, on a big screen. But uh, yeah I think we've got to acknowledge that, that, that um, on the whole people are more likely to watch something visual or, or something, listen to something than they are to um, read.
2: Well, actually, no. I disagree with that. I'd say I would, I would, add, I would have added reading to it actually, and said that text on its own yeah. is another works well on mobile. I think what doesn't work well on mobile is what we've been producing for, for the last mm-hmm. twenty five years, um, mm-hmm. e learning. Yeah. You know, um, with all the hot hot spots and things that you yeah. click on to reveal things, and all that kind of stuff, and even MCQs, which do work, but mm-hmm. I think the days are numbered for mm-hmm. that kind of uh, old fashioned. Um, you know that doesn't work but everything else you've said does
3: it's the it's that slide metaphor it's the problem it's all it's all based on the idea you're moving you've got a fixed frame which moves sideways if you like yes whereas a mobile device is all about scrolling up and down which is why the 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 more recent platforms for creating content tend to stress the long page at least
0: people let at least let people flick rather than clicking next as well (laughs) at least got that advantage on an ipad surely
2: but i think that's one of the things that trade off this kind of you know my uh uh, you know my point about sort of let's embrace the smartphone more what's frustrating is actually is that quite a lot of the content that we produce in in adapt which is you know responsive sort of framework looks great actually on the phone looks really good on the tablet it doesn't look so good on the desktop
0: Mm. so
2: can i can i take us back to our i think our
0: original question was what's happened to mobile so i've got we've got clients that are you at 70 they're telling us more than 70 percent of their users are accessing some content on a mobile phone so clearly there are companies that are doing a great job of this and they're giving the users what they want they, we've already um, said that their users want to access this learning on their mobile so what what's getting in the way well what's stopping them is it is it a company is it a,
2: a lack of control is it that they um uh, oh. i think it's um personally i think it's just a, i think it's a bit of a problem i think it's about sort of letting go it's about the state, status quo i think it's um if i'm honest i think it's from both sides i think it's a uh, client side i think there's a reticence D uh teams to embrace um sort of the the smartphone because it, it's a kind of letting go they're worried about uh, some of the issues around you know people's attitudes towards uh, privacy of the data and the, and the fact that right. the mobile phone is a very personal thing. So maybe they're a bit nervous as well. But if I'm honest, I think it's more a kind of fuddy duddyism, really. I'm not wanting to change the way things do. I'm really sorry to say, I also think it's supplier-side. I think that it, um, there's a, a slight reticence to push or to make the argument for doing mobile-like content. Mm-hmm. Um, so when I if, you know I do hear and pick up sometimes on the sense of relief when it's like said, uh, it's okay, they don't want it mobile. And now <laughs> yeah. I find that very perplexing. Yeah. Um, and I'll be honest, this is what I, I do here sometimes. Yeah. And so I think it's working on both sides of the fence. And I think you know, what you've got is a kind of uh, accidental resistance to change. And, and just, just one quick point on that before we move up to Pete. And, that, and that's those same people who said they
0: don't want it on mobile it's not uncommon for them to come back in a few weeks' time and say, can we have an app?
1: Because <laughs> that's different, <laughs> allegedly. Yeah. Sweet I, I kind of agree, but we're. I think we're talking about a cultural change in the industry, but framing it um, through, the, through a mobile phone screen. Because what we all seem to be agreeing on is that the more traditional, more compliant e-learning, the stuff that's been our, our meat and drink for the last 20 years or so that is the sort of stuff that isn't being consumed on mobile devices. The kind of things that people are looking at are the the more soft-skilled, more bite-sized things, and actually the kind of work that most more traditional organizations maybe would never dream of giving to an e-learning agency to go off and develop. And that's why we're talking about curation and things like that. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that people still don't really see, and most organizations at least, don't see their LMS as a place to go for learning it's a place they're sent to to do compliance pieces and so again that's probably a bigger barrier to using it on their mobile phone when they're maybe not at their desks they do e-learning on the LMS when they have to do it they do learning outside the LMS when they need to do it and that's normally the time they reach for their phones.
0: So but talking from a su- supplier's perspective then <laughs> just so, it's kind of paraphrasing what you're saying a little bit there but that's Traditional e-learning that we've written for however long doesn't really suit mobile. Um, a lot of the content already out there just needs to be created. So wh- where does that leave us then?
1: Um, I'm not, <laughs> okay, very good question. Oh, no. Um, first of all, to <laughs> slightly center. change that, um, I'm not saying that the compliance pieces won't work on a mobile. I'm saying that people don't access them. So a great example is a GDPR course. Yep. Which um, I've just done this week. Me uh, it was a very excellent course built by uh, Kinio, the Essentials Plus course um, for, for anyone listening out there. Um, and I did it on our learning management system, which happens to be a Totara. And I did it at my desk. Didn't even cross my mind to do it on my mobile phone because I'd had an email from our HR team telling me that I had to do this. And so I did it on the device that I happened to be using at the time. Yep. And it was great. It worked well on the laptop but it's not the sort of learning that I'm likely to do. Say at home when I've got a spare hour and I want to learn a bit more about a subject which is close to my heart, like say agile development.
2: You just don't want to admit it, Pete. <laughs> okay, it's true. <laughs> I, I
3: I can definitely understand the uh, and luckily from the outside it, it, it doesn't seem so threatening. But I can understand the the problem looking at it from the point of view of of, a trad- of an e learning developer. Mm-hmm. I saw almost said traditional, but I mean you can really say that, can't you, traditional? Because um, what really is probably required in the in the in the new world and i would say even for compliance i don't actually see why it should be any different is that um what people want is the content disaggregated from this everything everything uh, lumped together in a sort of fully integrated piece which you navigate they'd rather have a uh, break that apart and say i love that exercise i love that You know, quiz or whatever, or or scenario. I I like love that video. I like you know they want it in pieces, and then you know it might well be that it's that either people just make are adaptive for themselves. They personalize their own learning by choosing what they want. Or use some intelligent system to help you do it for you, but actually, you're more likely to be making twenty small pieces mm. than one, uh, you know, one, one integrated piece. And even the compliance, course, the actual quiz can still be on it, can still be tracked if that's if, if it has a quiz, if that's the bit you need to prove that someone's done it. Um, and uh, so, so it is slightly threatening because it's a very different way of organising yourself, and it's harder, I think, from um, Kenio and other. Um, e learning developers point of view to say why you should be making the videos as well as uh, creating the PDF sure. or yeah or yeah, I mean everyone will understand why you would do the uh, scenarios and mm-hmm. things like that so I think that the in a way what you're um, uh, it, when you uh, at the front end of going in and meeting your clients what you're really doing is designing Solutions and experiences, which happen to be largely, probably largely online. They might be blended in other ways, but let's you know, let's imagine they're largely online. But actually, um, could be quite a lot of different tools and uh, techniques used to uh, to put it all together. So, what you're, what what you are is is the one-stop shop for preparing that solution. Yeah. Um, but actually it might be that you're preparing a bundle of videos, a bundle of um, scenarios. And... Which, to be fair,
0: we've been, you're absolutely right, whether it be an animation, whether it be a video, whether yeah. it be a, you know, a, a scenario we've written, mm. we've done that, but traditionally we've built that together into one piece. Mm. What we're doing now is breaking it up. And I, and I, would, go, I would argue that, uh, oh, or back you up and say, mm. I think people are used to working that way now as well. So, for example, back in the day, you know, as an analogy, I'd have Outlook on my, my desktop, an Outlook was a calendar and it was my contacts and it was my email and, and who knows whatever else it did. And I used to book Skype meetings through it. Now on my phone, I have a contacts app, I have a calendar app, I have an email app. And you like, they're all very good, but they're very good at doing one thing and doing it well. And I, and I think people are used to that mm. idea of, no, oh, I can do that bit and now I'll go and do that bit. Now, it doesn't have to be all nicely packaged for them. Um, yeah, create it together for them, but they can kind of dip around. I think yeah. users are used to doing that.
2: Yeah, I think, um, um, in order, weirdly, in, in order to help people to learn, we have to actually stop obsessing with, um, with creating learning, yeah. uh, weirdly, and that will actually sort of uh, get us to the new, new place that we need to be. Um, because as soon as we start thinking we are, a le- we are a supplier of learning content, we become bogged down. In um, in in how how long that should be, the duration of things, the formality of things, the the whole methodology and, and everything, and indeed even on a bigger scale, our entire production process is actually sort of dictated to a certain extent by this obsession with delivering learning content. So we have to change, and we well we kind of are, but it's not happening fast enough for my liking. Uh, to the point where we become basically sort of agnostic, and we we are. Dig- producers of digital content. Yes.
3: It would come. It would happen faster if your clients were demanding it. But I think we have to acknowledge that it's a fairly conservative supply chain, if you like, for right from the customer right down through. The, the, the only people who probably would be expecting something slightly different are the learners. But they're still sort Ooh. of... But they're not <laughs> in a very powerful position to argue. No. Um, but actually, uh, it's quite possible that many of your corporate clients are reasonably comfortable with having you know having got everything going a nice process a nice way of doing things and a, a platform to support it and everything else and it's actually quite uh, it's very very disruptive for them yes. to make this change mm-hmm. even more than it is for you if you'd
0: like to carry on this conversation you can find us on twitter where we're at Kinio. Or if you'd like to discover how to make mobile learning work for you, why not sign up for our Put In Mobile First webinar, which is available at kineo.com.